Welcome back to Design Huddle, a podcast for creative professionals looking to level up. This podcast is hosted by myself, Ryan Warner, a UX designer based in New York City, and my co-host, Brendan Gross, a digital strategist for Fortune 500s. This podcast is the intersection of design, business, people, and just possibly the next big idea. We interview designers, thought leaders, co-founders, influencers, and sometimes just our friends from Instagram. If you like design, the internet, or storytelling, this just might be your new favorite podcast. We have a ton of incredible episodes and content coming out soon, so please subscribe. And for now, let's dive in to today's episode of Design Huddle. Since recording this episode, our friends at Anchor.fm have been acquired by Spotify. Could not be more excited for them. In this episode, you'll hear from Michael the co-founder of Anchor, and their lead designer, Emmy. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. So today is the first in design huddle history. We are have our first interview. So we're really excited about the format. We want to talk, talk to thought leaders, hear about their process, and kind of um, some of the design best practices that they can share. So today I am reporting live, recording live from the Anchor Podcast Lab in New York. So Anchor is located in the Flatiron District on West 25th. They just opened up a a lab for specifically recording podcasts. So I, myself and Brandon are obviously amateur podcasters, but um, they were graciously enough to let me try it. Um, It's open to the public. It's completely free, but... Overall, I have to I have to tell you quickly about the experience. So you walk in, you know, hit the elevator, you come up to their floor, beautiful, very startup-y like space. There's a tab, a tablet to kind of log in. And as I was logging into the tablet, this like the cutest dog in the world like walks over and like licks my hand. I was like, this is the best user experience ever. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't know if they immediately like slowly release the dog a second they heard me, but I was just blown away by that, uh, that experience. So, uh, yeah. And then basically I booked a time I walked into this, you know, through these glass doors and you're kind of in this like lounge area, super quiet. You have like the sound barriers, some super professional mics. And honestly, the setup took like a minute or two minutes. It was honestly unbelievable on how quick they were able to set it up and everything's being recorded through the Anchor app. So I, I know I'm kind of talking about Anchor Labs, but I wanted to give everyone a little bit more context on what Anchor is. So Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor is a company that makes it easy for anyone to start a podcast. Like how many times have you been in a bar or talking with friends and you're like, I really have this great idea for a startup? Well, there's a, or sorry, or this great idea for a podcast. This is this is a company that actually embraces that and makes it super simple. A few, a few quick, quick things to note. Um, Anchor has some award-winning apps on iOS, Android, and web. Um, they're based in New York. And I think they're, the thing that, you know, the reason that Brendan and I, um, we haven't gotten too much into why we wanted to start a podcast. I think both of us started listening to more podcasts. And I was actually, as I was kind of reading more about them, there's like three interesting facts that I want to throw out there real quick to explain like why I think Anchor's um, designing a really cool product at the right time. 
So a podcaster listens to an average of six hours and 37 minutes of podcast every week, which is crazy. crazy. I'm definitely in that bucket. (laughs) 65% of monthly podcasters listeners have been listening to podcasts less than three years. So it's a super new space. I think creating listening to podcasts is only going to continue to grow. And then from 2017 to 2018, podcast listening growth jumped 14% among women, while growth remained flat among men. So I, I think that's awesome to see demographics growing across, you know, for, in, for, for women. So I think if you're a women, a woman podcaster, uh, there's obviously a ton of opportunity to grow your audience. I think the the number one thing that uh, I hope to get from this interview, this is our first interview, so it might be a little rough, is just kind of understanding her we process. We ain't never rough. <laughs> this is, as we you know, smooth and silky. Yeah, if, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that we're, it's a little rough around the edges, but that's what makes it great, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Brendan and I have some, uh, some questions that we're going to just kind of pick her brain. And we just really kind of want to understand her process. You know, what did her career look like to get her here? Uh, any skills she can share? What, you know, what inspires her? What is she thinking about next? So, like, you know, obviously being a, you know, a, a company that's growing quickly, how do you prioritize, you know, which design features to focus on? So we'll get a, we'll pick her brain on the product designer side. Um, and more importantly, I think it's just to kind of see uh, if she has any tips and tricks. You know, I think that's going to be the probably the most uh, important part and the most exciting part of this uh, of this interviewing portion of Design Huddle. Anytime you have a company that's looking out for like a creator's best interest is awesome. So Anchor really is just like a full stack podcasting platform. So Brendan kind of hit the nail on the head that, you know, podcasting used to be super difficult. It was very like expensive to get it started, but I mean, Anchor makes it, you download an app, you can just record it. And like, it, I, I don't think Brendan and I would be, you know, actually have a podcast and do this as like a fun, you know, like uh, side hobby if it wasn't this easy. So neither one of us, you know, we both are, are working and we didn't have a ton of time to do it. So we needed something that would reduce the barriers and make it super, super easy to create. So um, Anchor does that. We basically, you know, you can upload it, uh, the MP3 file and you can edit it and make changes super quick. And the other thing that I have to say, one of my favorite features is it's like a central hub of distribution. So there's a ton of different, you know, places where you can listen to a podcast. Uh, like, you know, like you can give you maybe like Spotify is your favorite or whatever. What Anchor does is it actually reaches out to all the podcast platforms and it helps you get your content published there as well. So imagine like, you know, before Anchor, before like this a company like this, you had to manually go to each of these sites. So I can't even imagine yeah. how much extra time that is saving for creators to just actually sit here and create rather than like all the logistical things that uh, have to, you know, happen behind behind the scenes. So, yeah, I mean, the, the number one thing and the reason that like I was excited to talk about Anchor in our first our first interview was I really think that they do a few things really well. Number one, they're empowering everyone to have their voices heard. I mean, that's awesome. I think everyone, anyone can start a podcast. I think the barrier to entry has never been lower. Uh, they're also, you know, helping creators generate like revenue streams if that's what you're into. If you're trying to monetize your podcast, you're able to do that. The last piece is I think that, you know, I think the ability to share and distribute it is also the piece that I think is super exciting. It's very easy. It couldn't be any more, any more straightforward. So with that, we are going to bring in our special guest in just a second. 
we have an awesome guest. I wasn't expecting Michael because I'm sure I'm sure you know running a company as the CEO of Anchor. He he's got a lot of other things then to join everybody that asked him to be on a podcast. But uh, I think that just shows speaks volumes about the company he's kind of trying to run here. So Michael is the co-founder of Anchor. He he built it from the ground up from he's employee number one with his co-founder near near yep near near's not here today otherwise i'm sure he would have loved to join as well yeah that's awesome so um brendan and i are currently you know we're interviewing a ton of thought leaders just on their design process how they came up uh from an idea and how you guys have really you know grown anchor i recently was super excited to see you guys released your um anchor design principles so it's kind of like being expressive approachable clear consistent and Brendan and I were kind of talking when we were thinking about starting a podcast as a hobby is just the number one thing that separated it was just the how easy it was to do. Like I was almost shocked and surprised on like I, I, I made the joke earlier that like I think my mom could do this and she's not the best with tech. And I, I hope she can. <laughs> if, if, if she can't, we, we, we messed up. <laughs> so my first my first question <laughs> is just how did you come up with Anchor? Yeah, so um, my co-founder Nir and me, we um, we had previously worked together um, at a company called Aviary, which was then acquired by Adobe. And um, we at Aviary, the mission was to democratize creativity, specifically as it related to you know photo editing and taking right. and editing you know really really beautiful photos from your mobile phone. And I think both of us were really um, excited by this notion that anyone with a mobile device could could be creative, even if they had no talent whatsoever. Yeah. Um, there was something really special and unique about you know putting the app in people's hands and watching their creativity take over and um, and watching them be really really delighted by the things that they were making. And so you know uh, we we were working together and we both happened to get very very into podcasts. And uh, we had both dabbled with starting with starting podcasts, and we found it to be extremely difficult. Just the whole process has, you know, traditionally been very, very painful. And it was just there was such a contrast between what it took to get a podcast off the ground and what it took to take and edit and distribute a beautiful photo using a smartphone. We just thought, why, why, why can't why can't it be like this for podcasts, right? Why can't it be easy? And so. That was really the the original thought that led to the whole thing. Um, I think you know one thing leads to another. You become very attached to a problem you think you can solve. You start chipping away at it, hacking on you know small prototypes, nights and weekends, and things snowball. Before you know it, you're you're quitting your job and doing it full time. I love that. That's I think you know the idea of most startups are solving problems that they you know co-founders usually run in, ran into at some point. So. What did the first version of Anchor look like? Was it like a oh, prototype? Man. Like how how would you describe like the first iteration of the idea of Anchor? It's oh my god, it was hideous. It was um, the 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 very first thing I think that made it onto a device was really just a way for Nir and I to send voice memos back to each other. And um, I, I can remember, I can vaguely remember what it looked like. It was over. I remember it was over sort of like the holiday break. And, um, and I was at my, I remember like sitting on my, like the floor of my like parents home and like, just like playing with, and it was like just these red and yellow boxes, just like, and you would tap a box and it would play a sound. And it was, it was hideous. It was disgusting. And then I remember that week or weekend, whatever it was, just like taking out a notebook and just scribbling all these crazy ideas and then translating them to sketch, um, which I didn't really know how to use at the time. I, I had never designed an app before. Um, but somebody told me that it was really easy to design an app with Sketch, yeah. and so I just like jumped in and tried to tried to um, try to learn it. And um, 
those original designs occasionally get shared around in the anchor slack because they're so bad <laughs> and um that's awesome and, you need to release those eventually yeah maybe one day they're really really bad <laughs> um it's so disgusting but it's um it's it's funny because there are certain concepts even in some of the original designs that um that not only made their way into the view one of the product but yeah some concepts that like i i, I feel like are still around today some pr principles that we you know we established day one that we yeah. said we were that were really important to us and um it's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 crazy how how fast and how rapidly things evolve. So at what point in your, you know, anchor, obviously you you know, you're rolling the dice on an idea, you're really kind of, you know, putting yourself out there. Yeah. When did you when did you kind of have the feeling like I might be onto something here? I think this is I think this could be really something big and a total game changer. Yeah. So I think um, I, I've, I've gotten this question before and I think I've thought about it and I think there are sort of two two parts. I think. Number one, there's there's the component of like, oh, maybe there's something here. Maybe people would maybe people will like this. Maybe a lot of people would like this. Maybe people would want to use this. And I think you get that um, that validation in the form of um, people telling their friends, right? So you know, I think we got a little small small beta group together, and we gave it to our friends and family, and then you know, other people wanted in, and then some more people wanted in, and before you know it, like there's this little like very, very small, like buzz about this beta, you know, in this local New York City community where people want to try it and people are talking about it. And and that's really important, of course. Um, you know, validation is is obviously super important when you're thinking about, hey, should I quit my job and like lean into yeah. this thing? But I think the th the more important thing, the second thing uh, for me was and 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 I, you know, I think Nir would would be comfortable with me speaking for him as well in this in this respect is um is it is it something that I, I want to devote more and more and more of my time to? Basically, what we did is we maxed out our lives. Like we literally took every free moment and dedicated it to Anchor. And um, it got to a point where if we wanted Anchor to keep going, we needed to devote more time to it. But there were no more minutes in the day, right? Like we were working full time jobs. We were coming home. We were working until we couldn't stay awake any longer. And then we were getting up really early in the morning and doing it again until we had to go to our day jobs. And so it just got to a point where it was like, okay, if you want this to keep going, you need to find more time. The only way you can find more time is if you quit your job. Yeah. And I think that that that's those are the two things. Like, do I want to devote my time, all of my time, to this? Super, that's super yeah. inspiring. I love I love hearing that. Um, one last question before you go. Um, I guess like the, the a big question that I've had is what's what's next for Anchor? Like, where do you see Anchor going? Is there anything that uh, any other spaces you guys want to get into? Obviously, you're dominating the podcasting space right now, but uh, I'd love to hear like what your 2019 goals and plans in the future look like. Yeah, so everything we we think about building, um, we look at through the lens of does does this make it easier for a creator to get their podcast out there? Um, you know, be get get their content created, be heard, um, hopefully start making money. And um, and we just look for points of friction and we think about, you know, what are the points of friction that we believe we can eliminate? And in podcasting, there are a ton of them, as you know. Yeah. Um, and so I think the one that we've really started to focus on um, in recent months and, and definitely will more so uh, this year in 2019 is monetization. I think we recognized uh, last year as as our catalog of content got bigger and bigger and bigger um, that we all of a sudden had a platform that would make it easier for all podcasters to monetize. 
Um, and we started working on sponsorships, which, you know, for, for your listeners, or if you don't know what it is, basically, um, it, it basically is a platform that leverages the size and scale of our network to, uh, to bridge the gap between podcasters and sponsors that want access to podcasting inventory. And, um, that's been really, really successful for us. Um, we're being, we have so much brand interest and we're getting a ton of people paid. In fact, we just, uh, we just announced a day or two ago that, We've already doubled the num the total number of podcasts in the U.S. that are that are monetizing via ads um, in like the first month that that's we've huge. launched sponsorships, which is crazy. Yeah, congrats! That's Thanks. awesome. Thanks. So I think we see a ton of opportunity to make it easier for people to get paid, and so um, over the next year, you're going to see us doing a lot more in in monetization and helping our creators not only make podcasts but get paid to make podcasts yeah makes total sense i think yeah. that's the that was the logical next step yeah. in, the, in the in the process yeah um and i think at the end of the day you guys are a creator first company totally i think i think that's really inspiring so uh i lied last question before you go okay. what is your current favorite podcast and I, I feel like i would be doing the listeners not any justice if i don't actually ask you what your favorite podcast is yeah so i, I bounce around a lot i, I think I figure you probably yeah. have a, la a laundry list yeah i mean i don't <laughs> i don't have that many um like consistent daily routines other than i would say the daily i yeah. that's probably my my most stable which you know i feel like that's there's nothing surprising there it's like <laughs> one of the most popular podcasts in the world right. but like this morning i listened to uh the watch which is part of the ringer network because um i just I just uh, watched the first two uh, episodes of True Detective season three, and I wanted to hear them talk about it. Um, but then, you know, occasionally I'll jump into Joe Rogan if I, you know, hear him interviewing somebody great. I really like Masters of Scale. Um, I listened to Wild Thing, which which was really cool. Do you know Do you know about Wild Thing? I've heard of it. It's uh, it's basically um, this woman uh, on a hunt to see if Bigfoot maybe is real. Love that. Um, it's really really. I good. think that's I think that's my new my new uh, rabbit hole category no, of podcast. It's great. Um, <laughs> ben Thompson's exponent. I'm like I'm like praying it comes back, but um, I've heard rumors that it may. We'll see. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for the time. Yeah, this no worries. Was great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, good to see you, Ryan. I think number one is to utilize, know when to utilize user research. I think over my time at startups and also at big corporate companies like Adobe and then back to startups, I've kind of seen a wide range of like of user testing versus like intuition versus data and all that kind of stuff. And I think um, user research and user testing is like always the winner. In, in my opinion, I think just tapping into that and always remembering that that's an option. I think, especially at startups, we get really wrapped up in like, you know, going fast and, and riding this wave of like, we think we have, we think we have a hunch and we want to go with it and we really want to uh, trust our gut. But sometimes I think really just asking the users is like the clearest and easiest, easiest way to get to, um, to the answer. I think the second thing would be prioritization and being able to figure out, especially at a startup for me, um, was kind of time management and figuring out, you know, what is the, th what is the thing I need to do um, that's most important and really doing like block wireframes and kind of uh, more high level stuff before getting too focused yeah. on details. Um, that was something that, again, going from startup to more of a corporate, uh, corporate kind of design style, I it just had a lot of different um, a lot of different environments that I had to kind of to navigate through and coming back to a startup, I think that both of those environments taught me a lot about just time navigation and prioritization and that kind of stuff. Um, third, I think would be 
I guess everyone's all hyped up about design systems these days, but I think really kind of starting with a solid style guide and consistency is really important because especially being the only designer, you know, once you start adding people, it's only going to get worse. Right. So having a really solid, um, and I'm still working on that, but having a really solid kind of design style guide and system and kind of just generally organizing yourself in a way that, that you know, allows for flexible f flexibility and also growth of the product. I think that's been really tricky, but also something super important. Yeah. So I, I guess a follow-up question there is, and that, that those are all great insight. I, I think they totally resonate with anybody that's been in product design. What is your, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Like, is it you, you're a designer. So I'm assuming, are you like in Adobe, like 50% of the day, or is it actually way less? You just like talk, talk a little bit about like, you know, how you actually are like allocating your time during the day. And if you had an extra four hours in the day, like where would you spend it? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I think my time is, it depends on the week, honestly. It depends yeah. on like what we have. Um, it, it depends if it's a week where I might be building out a feature. A lot of that time will be spent me just kind of like heads down um, designing or if it's kind of a feature that's already been built, it will be a lot of time will be support and like working with the devs and kind of figuring out what they need in order to kind of build and actually complete the feature. So that will just be like, you know, filing Jira tickets or going to their desk, looking at animations on the phone and looking at, you know, thinking about how we can improve things. And and then some of it is also spent, if, it, if it's more kind of like a planning where, you know, it's working with Maya, our head of product to kind of figure out, you know, what in the next couple of months do we want to do? And what in the next week do we want to do? What do we think are the highest priorities for that week? What are we going to focus on? And like splitting them up between me and our other our other product designer and kind of figuring out like who's going to work on what and that kind of stuff. But I think most of my day, I, I, I think what I love about my job is that I do still spend a lot of time actually designing, which I think a lot of people don't really get to do as much as you um, progress in your career. And I love that. And if I had an extra four hours, it would probably be more spent on, honestly, keeping up the style guide and keeping up with, you know, documentation and organization, that kind of stuff. That's super important. It's always, there's never enough time to like continuously keep like checking in on that and making that better and more organized. And I'm always, yeah, can always be better. Yeah. So I've actually, I read the Google Design Sprints book and I love that because it's, it really uh, does a clear job of kind of breaking everything down from what is the clear problem? What are we going to do? What, what are our goals? And then how are we going to come up with a solution? How are we going to test that solution? And then after the testing, like how are we going to actually execute on that solution? I think at Anchor, we kind of do something similar to that. We don't usually have week-long sprints it kind of depends but it's it's a lot of that same kind of um, philosophy of on Monday you know we look at the week we think about what we're trying to you know at, as at a high level what we're trying to accomplish that quarter will, are, will already be spec'd out in the roadmap so we'll have that kind of broken down into weeks after we figure out which week we're in then we, we will break down the project into what are we trying to accomplish what am I going to get done this week how are we do we need to test user test this do we not use need to user test this and then from there how are we going to execute it and like when do we need to do that um i think honestly a lot of a lot of it with the with planning is optimistic of i'll say you know i think i need about this much time to design but it's always because we are such a small team it's constantly kind of showing everyone and iterating and just communicating with the devs and with the head of product and everyone to kind of make sure we're all on the same page and it's it's a little bit we we definitely set dates of when things should should be done or or be when we should plan to, to finish by. But um, yeah, sometimes, you know, obviously 
things come up. But, yeah. Yeah. I think I think the one thing that Anchor does incredibly, incredibly well is user research. Mm-hmm. I mean, podcasting is inherently super complicated. Like if you think about podcasting like five, ten years ago, million steps from point A to like having it live and even to monetize it. So how often are you doing user research? Like, is there, is there any best practices there? I'm sure it probably changes depending on like, you know, when you have an updated release. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, um, are you focused specifically on like, uh, this is a, kind of a second question, like on the native app and web? Is that kind of all the same, same kind of design principles? Can you just talk a little bit about the different platforms as well? Yes. Okay. So in terms of user research, so when I first started, we hadn't done a ton of user research, but then we put out 3.0, which was kind of our big push towards podcasting. Um, So after we did that, we did a first round of user testing as like a health check, I guess you would call it to kind of just see like, where are the pain points and where people kind of uh, getting, what is from the messaging perspective, like, what are they not understanding? You know, do they get the whole, how to make a podcast? Do they get distribution, all that kind of stuff. So I think in the past year that I've been here, we've done user research about like four-ish, three, four times. Um, and every time it's been super useful. It really depends on like, for example, we just put out sponsorships, which is our monetization uh, platform. We, this is something brand new, kind of like the podcasting, right. um, you know, when we shifted towards podcasting. So it was brand new. So we didn't know exactly how to message it to people, how people were going to interpret it. So that was super important for us. And the, the UI test. was also super easy to enable. It's literally like a, right. a, a toggle, like toggle right. on, toggle off per right. episode, which was like, I was like, I can't believe it's this easy. Right, right. So yeah, I mean, so that we user tested. And that's the thing is like, if we know it's going to be, I think we tend to user test if we know it's going to be something that we need to kind of figure out how people are going to interpret it because it's so new or if it's something that, you know, we have tried our best through in, through intuition and through data to kind of figure out what, what the, the issues are, but we still need to keep health checking. And we're going to do another round of user testing actually uh, in the next couple of months just to keep checking, um, awesome. you know, where are the issues that people keep tripping up on and what can we improve and what messaging can we improve and that kind of thing. So That's great. I think user research, you know, is a step that is one of the most tedious, but also one of the most important because yeah. the more empathy you have for your end users, obviously that's going to, you know, help prioritize, you know, which features and, you know, what you want to do next too. Right. So, yeah, I think that's the process that you just went through makes a ton of sense. And the sci- honestly, like the science behind it, uh, we've had a lot of mentorship from Google Ventures, digging more into the actual how much thought goes into the planning behind user research and kind of just the way that you you need to be so subtle about actually getting data you can use from people and and how to make people feel comfortable it's just like there's so much to it that like i honestly have learned so much from from that and in terms of i think you asked also about the the platform differences yeah just like how you guys are prioritizing and thinking about making it the consistent feel across yeah um, obviously, you got to prioritize where your users are coming from. Yeah. So I'd love to hear like just a general strategy or things that you're thinking about in terms of keeping the uh, design consistent across device. So I think for consistency purposes, we try to kind of break down podcasting into its simplest form by using these kind of by making all of our tools. Um, you know, we use things like voice messages or transitions or back uh, not background music. Um, we use. We have all different kinds of tools that we try to kind of, that are used in podcasting that we try to kind of simplify for people. And we also color code them. And we also use these things called, we call segments that kind of help you understand how to organize a podcast and how to organize an episode. So those things as a concept, we just, 
I think are consistent about the way that we help people visualize them through um, on iOS, Android, and iPad, and web. Like all, of, if you look at our UI, it's pretty consistent across. Absolutely. And it's because I think just overall that concept of layering um, of tools or layering of content to make one episode is, is just very helpful for people. And I think also just from digging into who our users are on each platform. So we noticed, you know, more beginners are on mobile and more pro people are on web, you know, so kind of figuring out like, who are you actually building? Who is that? Who's using that product now? And what kind of features do they want? Um, what kind of people or what kind of features do people on the go want versus like people who are sitting at their desktop and just kind of thinking about what mindset people are in when they're using um, the product. So tweaking it. So keeping the foundation the same across all, but kind of tweaking it to be specific towards that, towards each platform. Yeah. Knowing where your, knowing where your users are is obviously yeah. critical to figuring out the right design. So I would say always be prototyping. You know what I mean? I think that, and that is something that like I started doing at Adobe. Once I started using XD, I was like, um, they had prototyping built in and I didn't have to go to a different software to prototype. And I, that really changed the speed at which I could work and really kind of think through the flow of, of the app I was working on at the moment. I think two is, is, learn as much as you can again about user research and user testing and really just learn where that can be uh, worked into to your designs. And then three, I think would be wireframe too, man. Like yeah. honestly, plan, 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 wireframe, loose sketch, like continue to iterate as much as possible. And something I do um, that I didn't start doing till, till a little bit recently too is just continue do as many options as you can think of and then kind of fine tune once once you get to that and don't don't put yourself in a box you know love don't that. put baby in the corner yeah you know what i'm saying love that those were i mean that's kind of that's a great summary of i think everything we talked about too but yeah i, I couldn't agree more on all, all three points but uh we are we are out of time using the anchor lab i think we're already over time but they've been gracious i'm getting some waves but thank you emmy so much for taking the time to join us Thank you for having me. This yeah, this is the first yeah. first interviewing episode of Design Huddle. So um, we'll make sure we link to all of Emmy's social so you guys can go leave comments on how awesome her interview was. <laughs> Thanks. Design Huddle is a podcast that is hosted by Ryan Warner and Brendan Gross. The opinions stated here are our own and not those of our company. Thank you for tuning in and please feel free to share this episode.